Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, everybody wants to rule, everybody wants to be a leader, but God hasn't called everyone to be a leader. And it's something, leadership is something that God calls a person to. It's not something that they can necessarily train for. You can train somebody at West Point, you can train somebody in anything, but if God hasn't chosen them to do it, if He hasn't equipped them for that task, for that purpose, then it's not going to uh, fare very well. In fact, it's, it's better to, to let God make the decisions, make, let Him make the choice. Hi everyone and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learned that Abimelech was the son of Gideon, but he was not the clear successor of his father's place of leadership. This was for two reasons. God had not established a hereditary monarchy in Israel, and there were 69 other sons of Gideon who might also want to succeed their father. At the city of Shechem, Abimelech convinced his brothers on his mother's side to support him as king over his brothers on his father's side. We must always remember that God places the people in charge who he wants. When God chooses, all will go well. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. If you could please, let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 9. And Judges chapter 9, um, if you recall, the, the, the chapter previous to this, we saw Gideon uh, going after the Midianites. And uh, you recall that uh, the, the tribe of Ephraim were the, was the tribe that captured Zeba and Zalmunna, who were the princes of, uh, of, of Midian. And, uh, and then the Gideon and his army began to pursue the rest of the army and actually captured Zeba and Zelmunna. Uh, actually, I got that backwards. Yes, the princes. I'm sorry, that was in, in, in chapter 7, verse 8. Sorry about that. My, my eyes and my brain skipped. So in chapter 7, at the very end there, in uh, verse 24, there were two princes, Oreb and Zeb, and those are the two princes that the uh, Ephraimites had captured. And Gideon continued to pursue the two uh, other Midianite kings, and they captured them and they, they killed them. And then after this great victory, you recall last week, Gideon did uh, an unusual thing. You know, after a, a victory of, of a battle, or perhaps it's some kind of a spiritual victory, there is a tendency for us to kind of kick back and, and to kind of rest on our lees or to rest on our laurels. And I believe that's what happened with Gideon. After this battle was over with, 
uh, Gideon, instead of um, instead of receiving uh, kinship, kingship, which is really what the the children of Israel wanted to do, they wanted to make him a king. He was wise in that he didn't receive that. But one of the things that he did do, which was one of the worst things that he did in his whole life, actually, after uh, uh, toward the end here, was he made a gold ephod, if you recall. And that gold ephod became, in, in subsequent generations, and as time went on after him, uh, and certainly after his death, the children of Israel began to worship that golden ephod. And it's just so interesting how within the heart of man, not, nothing's really... Nothing's really changed. You know, you get something um, that's made from a man who had a great victory, and, and, and people, instead of worshiping God who gave the victory, they worshiped the man, or they worshiped the thing that the man made. And, uh, and this is something that is very inherent in our old nature. And so it became a problem for the children of Israel. And then um, it says in, uh, let's see here, it says in verse 30, that Gideon had 70 sons, and here we are in chapter 8, verse 30. We'll pick up there and get into chapter 9. It says, Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, and he had many wives. And so even though Gideon didn't receive this uh, exaltation of being king, he certainly lived like a king. He had several wives, uh, 70, uh, 70 sons who were his own offspring and he, for, from several wives and also from a concubine who was nothing more than really a, a female maid who was in Shechem. She also bore him a son and his name was Abimelech. And that's really where we come into chapter 9 here. And it says uh, in the end of chapter 8, Now Gideon, the son of Joash, he died at a good old age. And we, he was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Oprah of the Abiezrites. And so it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Berith their God. And thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubabel. Remember, Jerubabel was the name that his father Joash gave him, uh, which means let Baal plead, because he tore down, uh, Gideon tore down the altar, his father's altar, that they were worshiping Baal on. And his father, instead of reprimanding him or even putting him to death, he saw the character of his son and knew that what he was doing was wrong and instead named his son, let Baal plead, uh, for they were coming after him. The rest of the village was coming after him for, for that because they were Baal worshipers. And, and so what, what we get into now is in chapter 9, it says, uh, let's just read the first couple verses before we get into it. We're going to see the result of Gideon's relationships with his wives, and, and, and we're going to see tonight the result of one of his offspring, Abimelech, who was the son of the handmaiden or the concubine that uh, Joash, or I'm sorry, that Gideon had in Shechem, and we're going to see uh, the, the unfortunate thing that came about as a result of that union. It says, Then Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, he went to Shechem, to his mother's brothers, and he spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father. Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And here's his pitch to them. 
Which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubbabel reign over you, or that one reign over you? Remember that I am your flesh and bone. And so, here Abimelech goes to his fa- his mother's family, and in Shechem, and and gets all of his mother's father's people and all their family, all kind of looking at Abimelech, and, and he gives them these two options. And it's kind of interesting, and we'll look at that in just a few moments. But it says Abimelech, uh, and we know that Abimelech, his name means Melech is father, or my father is king. That's literally what his name means. And um, and surely there was a rivalry between Abimelech, this uh, son of uh, a concubine, and Gideon's 70 other sons who were brought about through normal relationships with many wives. Uh, When I say normal, I mean um, it wasn't normal that he had that many wives, but you get the point. (laughs) And so it says uh, Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, and uh, throughout this chapter you're going to see Gideon not mentioned by his name Gideon. It's going to be Jerubbabel and in fact, the last time we hear Gideon's name is in chapter 8, verse 35. And his name, Gideon, remember, means uh, a hewer or a feller, uh, meaning somebody who, who is a warrior, basically, in a sense. And now his new name is Let Baal Plead. And so Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, he went to Shechem. And Shechem, if you remember, was located uh, in between this valley, if you will. And in fact, in Israel, there's a a valley, it's called Mount uh, Gerizim, and it's on the south part. And then there's this valley in between. And in this valley was where Shechem was located. And on the other side of that valley is Mount Ebal. And you recall that this was the area that Joshua had brought the children of Israel to. Remember when we were in Joshua, in chapter 8, fresh off of their victories from Jericho and and Ai, uh, Joshua led the group, uh, all of the Israelites, to this place in Shechem, right there at the foot of these mountains. And that's where we had the blessings and the cursings. And, And really it was just God making them accountable to His Word. And, um, and so that's where this, uh, this whole thing happened, is right there in this town of Shechem. In fact, that's the scene, the setting of most of what we're looking at tonight. And so, notice what he says in verse 2. He says, Please speak in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubbabel reign over you? So that's option one. Or option two, that one reign, that one will reign over you. And then he puts in the little uh, encouragement here, remember that I'm your flesh and I'm of your bone. So here, Abimelech, he wants to be king. He has a desire to be king. And we're going to look at that a little bit later, just how you know, someone who desires to, to have leadership when God hasn't called them to it is a, is a dangerous place to be in. And notice that Gideon never really gave them, or I'm sorry, not Gideon, uh, notice that Abimelech never gave to these people of Shechem, he never gave them a third choice, and that is, or not at all. You can choose me, or you can choose the 70 sons of my brothers, of, of Gideon, my father, or you don't have to choose anybody. But naturally, he wants to set up two options and place himself in the very best light that he can. And so that's what he does. He, um, and here we can see the, the springing forth, really, of Abimelech's heart. He had in his heart this selfish ambition to be a leader. 
you know, and he was sort of like the black sheep of the family. So there's probably something in his heart where he's got something to prove. And perhaps you've been in a situation like that. Perhaps you're the black sheep of the family. Perhaps you've been looked down upon your brothers and your sisters. And there is the desire to want to kind of make the, 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 you know, to level the playing field, so to speak, and to rise above all of their comments and all of their snarky looks that they've given you over the years. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why, you know, he wanted to rise to prominence. And, and we certainly can't rule out just the, the good old-fashioned pride of the human heart. You know, everybody wants to rule. Everybody wants to be a leader, but God hasn't called everyone to be a leader. And it's something, leadership is something that God calls a person to. It's not something that they can necessarily train for. You can train somebody at West Point. You can train somebody in anything, but if God hasn't chosen them to do it, if He hasn't equipped them for that task, for that purpose, then it's not going to uh, fare very well. In fact, it's it's better to to let God make the decisions, make, let Him make the choice of who He wants to do certain things, and and it's always going to work out. And, and we must never forget, though, too, that the the people that He chooses, it doesn't mean that they're perfect. Sometimes God's choices of of a leader can shock us sometimes because we realize that they're not perfect people. And so we can get discouraged. We can start looking at others. and But God's still going to use this person because uh, the, the, the very thing that God called them to, He's using that office, if you will, to refine and to work in them just as He's doing in everybody else. It's just His vehicle to get that person closer to Him as well and to get them dependent. And all the while, through the process, Everyone's going to see the leader being changed. And that's really the, the thing that we have to think about, you know, is that as we go through these things, God is changing and God is uh, reforming and shaping. And th- there's really no substitute for that. You, you can't go to school for that. Um, I didn't go to school, and I know that God is changing me uh, from the very beginning. Ever since I've been here in the church, when I started in 1995, He's been changing me and working in me and changing. And it's just been a a wonderful process, as you all know, because he's doing the same thing with you. He's doing the same thing with you. But in this person, in this Abimelech, we see selfish ambition really to be a leader. He wanted to be a leader so bad. In Psalm 75, it says this, Do not lift up your horn on high and do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation, or in the King James, it says, For promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one, and he exalts another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. But I will declare forever, I will sing praises to the God of Jacob, and all the horns of the wicked I will also cut off. But the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. And, and that's really a, a wonderful verse. God is the one who puts down one and sets up another. And we don't always understand why that is. And so we see that God is, is going to allow Gideon now. His time has passed. And now this uh, son from a concubine from Shechem is now rising up and trying to usurp authority, promote himself. You know, we even see that in our own country. We see that even in the elections uh, that have happened and even the elections that are going on right now for different uh, seats across our country. There are men and women who are so 
bent on their own agenda. So, so, uh, and it's not even so much for the people so much as it is an agenda for a certain group of people, and they will do anything. And then, then this is true in politics. It's true in, in other things too. Some people want uh, authority and leadership so bad that they're willing to do anything and everything for it. And they'll they'll rob, they'll cheat, they'll steal, they'll do whatever they can. And the, and the Bible calls this idolatry because even a position or an office can be idolatrous. It can be idolatry to do anything so that you can get to that place, so that you can rule, so that your agenda can be set and, and to do the things that you want. If you remember, there was a, a mother in, the, in, in 2 Kings, we see it in chapter 11, and we also see it in 2 Chronicles 22. We're not going to go there tonight. But after her son had died, who was king of Israel, uh, Athaliah, who was the daughter of Jezebel, she actually kills all of the king's sons. She kills all the nobles and, and after her son had died because she herself wanted to be queen. She wanted to be king, actually. She wanted to be the, the leader of Israel. And when you look at her mother Jezebel and you look at Athaliah, you, you can see they're kind of like two peas in the pod. They, uh, Athaliah certainly learned a lot from her mother. And her mother really gave her a really a heritage of nothing but deceit and idolatry and, um, and a lust for power. And so Athaliah, we see in in 2 Kings 11 and 2 Chronicles 22, we see her uh, murdering, thieving, cheating, stealing, lying, doing whatever she can to get into power. And we know that her reign ended and it didn't end well. And so we see all of this in the life of Abimelech as well. And so in verse 3 in our text tonight, it says, And his mother's brothers, they spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem, and their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. So now they're looking more at, because he's our brother, he's our blood, we're going to get behind him, rather than seeing that there is actually a door number three, and that is to not choose anybody. But again, it's so funny. Sometimes it's really good to ask questions. You know, when you're given options in life, you know, somebody will come along and say, well, you can do this or you can do that. And the, the wisest thing to do is to say, well, what about this? <laughs> and usually the person who's giving you those choices wants you to pick one or the other, and they, and they will put the, the thing that they really want you to choose, they'll put that forward and, give, and substantiate that claim. But we always have to look beyond, well, what other options are available? And sometimes, I know in my own life, I, I can tend to fall into that trap where I'll look at two options and think those are the only two options, and God is saying, have you considered this? Hmm didn't consider that at all, Lord. Thank you for that thought. You know, And so uh, whenever you're presented choices, always be mindful of who's giving you those choices and think if there are other options available because uh, a lot of times uh, it's times like that that we can be deceived ourselves or manipulated into doing things that we ought not to do. So verse 4, it says, So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Baal Berith, so this is a, Baal Barith is just a local Canaanite deity. And so they take money out of the collection of this um, idolatrous temple and they give it to Abimelech. And what does he do with that money? He hires worthless and reckless men. <laughs> That's what it says. He hired worthless and reckless men and notice they followed him. You know, whenever you have to hire somebody to follow you, 
you know there's a pretty good indication that you're not worth following. Because usually when people follow, when, when a group of people follow a leader, it's because of who that leader is in the Lord and who that leader represents and, and how he leads. Is he a, is he a good leader? Is he a, is he a guy who really doesn't care? Is he, is he only concerned about money and his own reputation? Is he concerned about his own skin? Or does he think about others? Is, you know, and these are things that, uh, we have to always look at. And so he hires these, um, with this 70 shekels of silver, he hires a bunch of worthless and reckless men. And then it says, verse 5, then he went to his father's house at Oprah, and notice what he does. He kills his brothers, the 70 sons of Jerubbabel. So Gideon's other 70 sons, this one son who was born by a, a concubine, he's going to get the ultimate revenge uh, because of perhaps how they've shunned him. Perhaps he feels, and maybe they didn't shun him at all. Maybe it's something the devil was just playing with his mind and saying, you're not like the legitimate sons of, of Gideon. And so now he comes, and in order to secure his own title, he has to kill all the other possibilities. And, and we see that over and over again in the Bible. We see it in history. We see it in Henry VIII, or you know, Henry the, uh, in, in England. We, we see the, those kinds of things. We saw it in Herod's life. That's really who I meant to, to talk about. We see it in Herod's life. He was so hungry and jealous for power, he, he didn't want anybody, any threat to his throne, he would just kill the person, even his own family. And so it was probable that this was the motive uh, for Abimelech and the hatred that he hated his 70 other brothers. And again, this thing has lived out in society and culture ever since man was created. It's just continued, it's perpetuated. And so in verse 6 it says, And all the men of Shechem, they gathered together, all, uh, all of Beth Milo, which uh, Beth Milo means house of the fortress. And they went and they made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. And I love these uh, descriptions in the Bible because they mean something. Whenever you see something like this, it was a location uh, certainly unknown to us now and probably even unknown uh, uh, several hundred years ago or even a thousand years ago. Because how long does a tree live? You know, uh, some trees, like the olive trees and, and Gethsemane, uh, some of the the trees that are there are from the root system of the trees in Jesus's time. But uh, things get burned down, things get rooted up. But I love how it, it gives a specific place, this terebinth tree, and there was something special and unique about this place. You, uh, we don't have the time and to, to go into it tonight, but a lot of things happened at this place, at this pillar that was in Shechem. And so, as we get into verse 7 through 15, we're going to see uh, perhaps the very first parable in the Bible, and it's given by Jotham, because you recall, when when they came and he killed... Oh, I forgot to mention something in verse 5, excuse me. It says, Then when he went to his father's house at Oprah, and he killed his brothers, the seventy sons of Jerubel, on one stone, so he massacred them, killed them, but Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left because he hid himself. And wouldn't you hide yourself? And so God allows a remnant, someone to escape. You know, and I love that. Um, and so all the men of Shechem, uh, verse six, gathered together all at Beth, uh, all of Beth Milo, and they went and they made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. And now when they had told Jotham. 
He went and he stood on top. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.